2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Howard Thurston, and this is Christopher Mookie on Harrington. Uh, how you doing, Mookie? You ready to talk about uh, Hulk Hogan, WQ2, MSG show, what's going on with Sinclair? In in the time between, we, uh, we just got finished recording WrestleNomics Premium, and now we're doing the free WrestleNomics Radio. You haven't been drinking and tweeting during that time, have you?
1: No, I'm, I'm looking at a, I, I'm, I have one of those next-door neighborhood groups, that sends emails out, and mm. so I was looking at the the latest one for where I live, and it says someone just stole the catalytic converter off my car. Wow! Yesterday at four p.m. I wow. thought that's a that's a different one than usual.
2: Hmm. So, so you have like a neighborhood watch Facebook group?
1: Well, it's more like a neighborhood complaint Facebook group. I don't feel like they watch very much; they just mm. complain about what happens when they see it later.
2: Yeah. Well, watch just like you know, watch we complain about WWE. What's the difference? <laughs>
1: uh let's talk uh some of the big news it, on our premium show this week we're gonna talk a ton about wwe q2 results on thursday we talked about the state of wwe popularity on the premium show mm-hmm. we talked about uh lots of other random data including the Polestar data i came across this week yeah. but uh that's over at patreon.com slash russell five dollars a month and you get access to the notes the shows and uh you'll even get access to the video Discussion we'll have on Thursday, so that'll be pretty cool.
2: Yeah, but as far as the episode we just recorded, I think we had a pretty interesting conversation about has WWE's popularity actually decreased uh, to, to what extent? And we looked at TV viewership, Google searches, North American live attendance, numbers, real numbers, real data, multiple metrics. There's, this is this isn't some one metric show where we just talk about one metric and, and decry uh, the the decline of the business, but we look at multiple metrics and. We also did a uh, who's the who's
1: the biggest draws in WWE? Who's and the I think number draw? two will
2: shock everyone. Is it Jinder Mahal? Is Jinder Mahal a draw? Is Roman Reigns a draw? Who's a draw? Gotta pay the got to pay the five dollars to find oh, out. Okay. Then you you pay the five dollars. You go on. You listen to the show. You go on Twitter. You declare your favorite wrestler's a draw. You quote three people. Put them in the pillory. That that's what this is all about. I think here, isn't it? something like that
1: a lot of a lot of quote tweeting going on this week as uh, people retweeting the statements from titus o'neill and the statement from the new day uh courtesy of kofi kingston and uh to a lesser degree mark henry's quotes to tmz all of them on the subject of hulk hogan returning to the wwe meeting with the whole locker room in pittsburgh a, a mandatory meeting for the talent to show up and hear uh a hulk hogan talk to the group mm-hmm. and um it's been a, a Controversial decision for sure, especially uh, as people point out. The same week that um,
2: do we have do we have a, v- a visitor? Do we have a guest on this episode yes, of Radio? My
1: dog is very excited. Uh, everything okay? Yeah,
0: she. Do uh, you see
1: how much better she is? What did you shave her? Yeah. Oh, okay. My dog got shaved. Oh, she's she's happy. Oh my goodness, she's shaved.
0: She's very happy, Great. but she very much was like, I must go social. Show Chris that I am better.
1: Yeah, she had to go see me. Sorry very about nice. that. Oh, oh, very good. Does she have any thoughts about uh, Hulk Hogan? Yeah, she doesn't have many thoughts on Hulk Hogan, though mm. she is a black dog. Mm. So uh, I don't know if that uh, sounds right or not. But yeah, the same week that uh, Papa John's founder got himself in, in uh, booted from his own company uh, formally for the comments he made, uh, Hulk Hogan being uh, re-put back into the fold with WWE And uh, all I can say on this is that I think all the wrestlers are completely entitled to their own opinions on this matter, and uh, there's absolutely no reason that any of them should feel an obligation to, quote-unquote, accept what Hulk Hogan is saying um, just because the company is saying, hey, they want to do business with him. I think, moreover, as a lot of them have pointed out, Hogan seems to be more upset that he was caught – and broadcast saying the things he did rather than the fact that he understands they were wrong to say and that those were his, you know, kind of – those were the sort of things that he was willing to say to other people about African-Americans and his, his daughter's boyfriend at the time and lots of other people. So I, uh, I I don't know if I have that much sympathy for Hulk Hogan in this situation. And I think everyone has the right to be uh, disappointed, angry or, or just to basically uh, – Call him out as a uh, a two faced coward at times. Yeah, it, uh, as someone who who you know is a worker, and so he'll say whatever he needs to be said to make the business go on. And he's always thought that he can just kind of get away by saying, "Oh, I didn't really mean that," or "Oh, that's just you know,
2: that's just one element." But uh, yeah, Hulk Hogan. Well, let's let's go through the things that uh, people from WWE said about this. So just Mark Henry said it's, he told TMZ it's fifty fifty in terms of the locker room support for this for. Uh, Hulk Hogan coming back. I've talked to guys there uh, who were like, man, the hell with him. Um, and, and, and by the way, I don't know if we've set it up. There, there was a locker room meeting. Did, did you say that already? There's a locker room meeting in Pittsburgh at the pay-per-view, the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Yeah, where, yeah, it um, was
1: mandatory. Everyone had to go. Everyone,
2: whether you booked on the pay-per-view or not. So Titus O'Neil was there. Titus O'Neil did not appear on this pay-per-view. But Titus O'Neil and others who are not appearing on the pay-per-view were flown to Pittsburgh to be a, to be there for this meeting. Just for Hulk Hogan to, I I guess, I mean, nobody, obviously this thing wasn't recorded, but Hulk Hogan spoke to the WWE locker room and uh, said whatever it was that he said.
1: I think it was actually, I thought that Dave said something about it might actually be recorded for like part of like a comeback. Oh my goodness. Video or something at some point. Though I wouldn't be surprised if now they're double thinking that now that they realize that no, it's not just everyone coming up and shaking his hand and giving him a hug and saying, so glad
2: to have you back Hulkster. Yeah, uh, you, I've, I've got the entire uh, Kofi Kingston statement here. It's quite lengthy. Um, yeah,
1: and I don't, I don't know if we need to go through it all because I think, I think people should go and read it themselves and see what he had to say. But I think everything he had to say was honest, was valid, and um, it really sets a line to say there's a big difference between what the company wants to do and what they can make wrestlers feel. And a lot of these wrestlers did not feel that there was true contrition that there was a commitment to um, bettering society around him or that there was an understanding of just how damaging and disappointing those actions were. And at another level, I think some people are just disappointed that, um, you know, people get put on pedestals in the first place Mm -hmm. and that there's this vision that, you know, somehow – there's an atonement that is due to someone just because they were very successful in this business, like Kofi says in his his thing there, which I thought was well done, where he says, "There's no doubt that Hulk Hogan is a professional wrestler Hall of Famer. He is one of the most important people in the history of professional wrestling, but that doesn't mean he can't be a terrible human in the way that he acts in certain fashions."
2: Which mm-hmm. Kofi didn't say. He didn't say terrible human, right? No, no. I'm just um, saying.
1: I'm 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 editorializing.
2: Yeah. He says, I'll I'll read this part at least. How do we feel indifferent? We are not happy or sad, angry or resentful. Who WWE puts in its Hall of Fame is totally and completely up to the company. And from a career standpoint, there's no argument on whether or not Hogan should have his place. That is in the Hall of Fame. We have no problem with his reinduction in the slightest degree. It is impossible to even begin to mention the the history and evolution of the business without mentioning his name. Uh, On a personal level, when someone makes a racist and hateful uh, comments about any race or group of people, especially the degree that Hogan made about our people, we find it. Difficult to simply forget, regardless of how long ago it was or the situation in which those comments were made. Uh, there's there's quite a bit more to it than that, and you can find that. But, but I think Twitter. I think
1: that really hits at the heart of it, which is they're saying maybe he's not even apologizing for his comments as much as being apologizing for getting caught saying them. Yeah, and the fact that it doesn't saying I'm sorry doesn't in fact make it then okay doesn't in fact make you then just ignore the way that person acted and because especially because i think they they would strongly believe like many others that uh actions speak a lot louder than words and his his words you know really damned him Mm -hmm. to being shown for for what he was willing to say behind closed doors Mm
2: -hmm. and and titus o'neill also did like this is like the the iphone note Uh, Statement just like uh, Kofi Kingston did, he made his own statement here, saying, "Unfortunately, I must echo the sentiment and dissatisfaction expressed by many of my fellow contemporaries concerning Mr. Belaya's apology and its lack of true contrition, remorse, and desire to change." Mr. Belaya's apology that quote uh, quote that he didn't know he was being recorded end quote is not remorse for the hateful and violent utterances he made, which reprise language that has caused violence against blacks and minorities for centuries.
1: Yeah, and and what even shocked me more is that, you know, Titus said something like um, – not shocked me about what he said. Uh, what, what, what shocked me is that, like Titus said something like, I care a lot about being a good role model to uh, the young black men in my life, like my sons. Mm-hmm. And I would see people right back and be like, why aren't you trying to be a good role model to all young people? And I was just like, I it, – it's, it's unfathomable as a white American, just the level of scrutiny and um, just faux outrage that people will will cast upon these very honest statements people are putting, putting out about this mm-hmm. is that they're putting themselves in the position of having to be criticized by speaking out on this. And the fact that people would then try to nitpick them and say, well, well, this is your you, your your explanation is insufficient to me for this reason. is just disgusting, because I, I think Hulk Hogan does deserve to apologize to these people who, uh, you know, directly are being affected by the, the way that he acts as a representation of the industry. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm open. Mike Eagle um, is a, a rapper. He's a wrestling fan. Uh, he's a musician. He's a really talented guy. And I remember to Kofi, uh, he responded, y'all are way better than me. I hella hate that dude. <laughs> and to Titus O'Neil, he, he responded um, – uh, let me just find his response here. It's kind of funny because he, he showed up very high on both, uh, both, both people's tweets. Uh, I might have to pull up – actually open Mike Eagle's direct uh, Twitter account but uh, he he responded something very closer to titus basically saying this is you know as a wrestling fan as a black man as a lot of other things i feel a lot mo- more in line with the way titus is responding here um let's see if i can find his uh, comment
2: t- titus also uh, addressed i guess there were some rumors or something like that i hadn't heard but that, that he supposedly refused to shake hogan's hand he he said in the statement that there there was no you know situation where he he could have shook hogan's hand that that didn't happen he said
1: um yeah i i I take it back i mean i don't take it back open mike eagle just said shout out to using your whole battery to write this out and gave like a black fist bump um but you know uh yes i'm I'm glad so
2: battery on his iphone very close it's in the red
1: it is uh but you know i it's it's one of those things where he has a a podcast i think it's called tights and fights and he talks about stuff a lot and um they did a whole uh show about this and so I, i would recommend you know Talking to someone, you know, who, who has a very different uh, experience than you to understand, you know, why why does something like this matter? I think there's a lot of white men talking about why Hulk Hogan's comments aren't that bad or why he should be forgiven immediately and not really taking into account uh, the viewpoint of, of so many other people who are going to be so negatively affected by the reputation he causes to the esteem that they're being held in and the enormous heavy history of of African Americans in professional wrestling with the way they've been treated for so many years.
2: Yeah, I mean, like personally, my opinion. I have no desire to see Hulk Hogan in any entertainment capacity, like ever again. Uh, especially when like you hear things like this, where it sounds like you know his his idea of apologizing and and repairing the thing the thing includes you know statements like you know he didn't know he was being recorded, as if you know well the, the problem was that he got caught, not the problem was that he said those things or feels that way. Yeah. So um,
1: I I have a lot of respect for the wrestlers and I think it's a good example of where, um, you know, in in wrestling, there's a lot of times wrestlers are kind of asked to just go with the flow and not comment on the way that a company is acting. Mm. And, you know, I'm glad to see, you know, these people being put in a position where they feel confident enough to do this. And at the same time, I don't think everyone has to because I can understand that a lot of people don't want to be the one that has to have the spotlight on them and then they say uh, what do you think about this how do you feel about this when it's not them who did something wrong mm-hmm. it's not them who need to, that owes apologies to the rest of the the locker room and to the, these people uh, individually to say you know this is this is the low esteem that I was holding you in and these are the kind of racist thoughts and and toxic culture that I was willing to maintain in my life
2: mm-hmm and 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 the n word that he uses toward i guess the, the boyfriend at the time of of his daughter Brooke it's not like you know uh oh he I, I don't like him because he he does things that i don't like or he doesn't treat her well or something like that he just you know it's for you know according to what he says in in those statements which are recorded and you know were published by Gawker it's for no other reason than he's black that he uses those statements and he goes on to say you know, I'm a racist. You know, he says everybody's a little bit racist. So it's it's not as if like, oh, that was taken out of context. No, you said you were a racist.
1: Yeah. And, and in fact, a lot of people have been reprinting the full statement. And probably the thing I hear the most is, wow, I didn't realize that's what he said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is I think a lot of people thought it was a much more casual thing where he, he you know, was almost like a rap lyric type thing. And it's like, no, this is very much different. Like if you posted this on Twitter it would probably be flagged as hate speech. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's pretty serious. So, yeah. so um, I, I, I think the, know. Whole,
2: the whole thing is just a, it's, it's not a surprise, but it's another reminder of like who Hulk Hogan is and who WWE is. And that I think Hulk Hogan has historically been somebody who's mostly about himself. Uh, I'm, I'm, sure, mm-hmm. I'm sure he does charity things and he does nice people for, for, for he does nice things for people, but uh, you know, he's about himself and about, getting himself over, getting himself over as a business, not so much, you know, helping others out and making sure that others get put over and, and have success in the business. He's about taking care of, of Hogan. And, uh, I think it's sort of character revealing about WB or maybe not revealing, but reminding character, reminding of WB that, you know, th- th- this is how seriously they, they take that issue and they take social issues and they take issues of race and things like that.
1: You know, what bugs me is people try to paint it as a generational gap. And I, I would still say it's a decency gap right. is what it really is, is that it, it doesn't have to do with the fact that someone was born in the 50s or the 60s and this is what they said.
2: But he grew up young. in the American South.
1: Yeah. And so it's it's ridiculous to me when people paint it. And, and I've even seen Dave use this argument to say, well, well, look at Big E. Big E is this old. And so on this year, he, he would have thought of Hogan in this way when he was 16. And I would just be like, no, I, I'm pretty sure that we can appreciate and understand who people are without having to constantly say, well, when I was 15 years old, this is what this person was like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think we're, we're capable of a thought that's more more inquisitive and more uh, detail-oriented than that. And that – in a lot of times I, I feel like – I feel like there's oftentimes this desire to say, well, I am an, a, a, a white male of a similar age of this person. Therefore, I have to – give these excuses to give myself some comfort that I'm not actually taking accountability in my own life to understand how difficult and terrible these thoughts and actions are.
2: Yeah. And I, I guess like, I don't know, in in my own personal experience, you know, as a, as a a white guy growing up in the U S like I've, I've grown up with a lot of people who have used words like that. Uh, and it doesn't mean like, Oh yeah, it was okay then. It wasn't okay then. And, uh, if people use that word less, now in, in private well that's a good thing it's not just like it's not just like a, a generational thing where it, well hey that that was okay back then because it was back then and it was in private it's not it wasn't okay then it, it has the same uh connotations of, of hatred and violence then as it does now it, it was just maybe it was a more hateful violent time then that you could more easily get away with it then and, it. Um, yeah.
1: and 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 everybody's going to have a different take on on how much they want to read into someone else's life, and you know, I think the the thing is, a lot of wrestlers should have the choice not to have to associate with someone like that.
2: Yeah,
1: that that is absolutely their prerogative, and they shouldn't be in a position where the company forces them to you know to laud and applaud people like that. Yeah. WWE Q2 preview coming up on Thursday. We're going to get uh, some reporting from WWE. We're going to get what? What are the different files that show up when we do a
2: WWE re- report? We are going to get a press release at about 9 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, we are, and what's in
1: that press release?
2: A, a, a nice statement, maybe some quotes from Vince McMahon, from George Berrios. Uh, the press release, if, if I remember right, will have the, the quarterly report itself, the 8K not the quarterly report, but the 8K. What what, what name do you call the 8K? It's it,
1: technically it's something like a uh, a material filing of a,
2: an That's event. That's right. Any anytime something of material significance happens, I guess it's, it's
1: results of operations and financial condition, and oftentimes the financial statement and exhibits and Item 2.02 and an Item 9.01.
2: Yeah. So later in the day, we'll probably get the 10Q, the actual quarterly report, but we'll get very early in the day, we'll get an 8K. We'll get a press release. We'll get some stats. We'll pro- well, I'm sure we'll get a, a W network subscriber update. I'm sure we'll get an outlook about what they, what W expects to be making in, in revenue uh, in the future, in the short-term future. What W expects to be reporting in OEBDA a form of profit in the near future. We will be getting an updated version of the trending schedules, which is a breakdown by segments of business for WB, just how each segment is doing compared to previous periods. In recent history, we'll be getting an updated version of the key performance indicators, which is which is always the the, the most fun uh, document, I guess, that we get at least visually. Uh, perhaps both of us will be screenshotting uh, excerpts from the KPIs, which will have various graphs comparing uh, everything from TV viewership for both Raw and SmackDown compared to uh, the top 25 cable networks compared to, to
1: the number of social media uh Followers that they have for right. for Twitter and Instagram yeah. to number of video hours on demand played and, uh, of course, the attendance numbers, which is the one we really focus on because that's going to be able – from that, you can suss out an estimate of the range of attendance that WrestleMania had because they give you a number and they say – Oh, we averaged 5,600 people without WrestleMania and we averaged 6,000 people with WrestleMania. So you can say, oh, well, they got 400 incremental people between those two averages and that's the difference of doing 80 shows or 79 shows. So that one show should be equal to – and you do the math and you can come out with a number and then you say, well, but they round all the numbers to the nearest – you know, 100, so it could be up to this much higher or up to this much lower. And so you get these big ranges. Yeah. And so on the uh, the patron show we just finished, uh, we went through the Polestar numbers, which were coming from a music concert organization that gets some pretty detailed numbers for grosses and tickets sold. And we compared that with the numbers that WWE had reported for ranges. And then we compared that with what the WWE press releases said. And in general, the true numbers were about 8,000 to 9,000 people less than what the press release said. So for WrestleMania uh, 2018, WWE reported a number of dot, 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 78,133. 78,000? 78, yes. Yeah. So does Brandon Howard Thurston mm-hmm. want to make a prediction on what the true WrestleMania number
2: will be? The, this was in New Orleans. Uh, so the, the real answer is, like, we're going to get a range. That we're going to deduce, maybe actually, because I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen this time. Because this time, the uh, the attendance is going to well. I guess there's North Americans, so I, so maybe they're going to split this out uh, on the international side as well. No one knows what I'm talking about right now. There's going to be uh,
1: Saudi Arabia. You're worried that Saudi Arabia might might exactly. skew the international number.
2: Exactly. So so we're going to get to we'll we'll get this slide in the KPIs that we'll have North American attendance averages by quarter. And then we'll have international attendances by quarter. So maybe the Greatest World Rumble will be split out of the international side and the WrestleMania number will be split out of the North American side. So we won't get an actual number on the attendance, the paid attendance, for WrestleMania. But we will get, most likely, uh, an an average for Q2 with WrestleMania and without WrestleMania. And with that, I will pull out my... um, Subversive Excel spreadsheet, and I will put the numbers into that Excel spreadsheet. Now, and, and what I'll get is a range of of for what the paid attendance really is, and and usually that range is is pretty wide. It's like ten to fifteen thousand wide. Um, so, what do you think? Sixty. Going back to my question. Yeah. Was the median
1: number, the middle number for your WrestleMania thirty four prediction? If thirty seventy eight thousand one hundred thirty three is the reported number.
2: So let's see. WrestleMania 30 was also in New Orleans. And the range for that that we got... Actually, we got a tighter range than usual for WrestleMania 30 because I think we got some some better data. To make a long story short, that was about 58,000 to 61,000. So I think it's going to be a tad higher. I'll, I'll say the median will be 60, 61,000.
1: Oh, wow. That's a little lower than I thought. I, I was only going to say... I was going to say, I, I think they're going to have a true number around 68,000. That high? Yeah, just because historically their inflation has been about eight to 9,000. So I'm just going to use their historical inflation number of about eight to 9,000 and subtract that off the reported number.
2: So I think what, what I've got here, I've got a note in this spreadsheet. Uh, I've got some – if we follow the trail here. Capacity of record. Capacity of record refers to capacity listed on W internal calendar, made public record via lawsuits. So, I, I, so I think what I'm referring to here is uh, you. You got uh, as a result of a lawsuit against bootlegging, you, you got a lot of data about just what the capacity was for some of W's venues. So, one of those venues, I, I believe, was the, was the Superdome, and I got a capacity of record of sixty six thousand five hundred and twenty eight. Oh, so that would be the, so that capacity is lower than the number. That I think that you just predicted, you said 67 or 68,000, right? If I was listening, if I
1: was paying. Attention. Yeah, and, and if you go to the Wikipedia page for the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, they say that football, they can fit 73 expandable to 76, and that WrestleMania magically got 78,000 somehow in there. Right. Um, so it, it's just kind of funny where you, even football, it, it goes back to that argument that perhaps even NFL numbers are being somewhat uh, expanded, but the truth is being stretched. Yeah. And so uh, you're right, though. If, if the internal number was 69, 66,
2: Capacity of record, 66,524.
1: Well, then I would say that 66 number is a pretty good number because, uh, yeah, you can get a little bit more in there. But I, I'll stick with my 68,000 prediction. Uh, I'll lower it, I guess, to 68,000 from 69,000. But, yeah, it is a because they, they might have just like slammed the floor with as many seats as possible.
2: Yeah. And, and as far as like the Superdome goes in 2014, which is where WrestleMania 30 was, uh, that WrestleMania was just short of sellout, if I remember right. I think that's a report from The Observer. I'm sure someone could go back and check. So I think it was just short of a sellout. And it looks like the paid attendance for that WrestleMania was about 60,000. So I would guess th- this one was sold out. Right. So I would guess this number is going to be a little higher. So that's why I guess I said 61. Maybe that's a little low. I could see it as high as like 63, maybe 64.
1: We'll find out on Thursday, but that's a, a good number for us to kind of have in our head. Yeah. I, I mean, I expect
2: the range that we're going to get is going to be like 10,000 wide anyway. Good point. But we'll we'll have a median.
1: <laughs> we will. And it will probably be well below the 78,000 number that they're claiming right now. Yeah. So uh, that will be interesting. Um, all the Saudi stuff is going to be fascinating because they really owe an accounting of some sort for the greatest Royal Rumble, yeah. for the value of the Saudi deal, for future Saudi deals, for whether this money is coming in as cash or as payments, whether or not they're getting live event gate or does the live event gate go back to Saudi Arabia and that WWE just gets a lump sum for doing these
2: shows. Yeah. Uh because by any account that, this was a, a huge amount of money that WU was given from the Saudi government to do this show. So do they count that as a live gate? We'll probably – so the, the quarterly report will probably come out in like the afternoon, the evening at the latest, and we'll we'll get some little notes when they go over each segment, and we may get some information in one yeah, of those notes. But they
1: got rid of the segment that told us geographically we make money here, 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 and here. And that would have been the segment that would have said, ah, look at how much it went up in the Middle East over this time. Mm-hmm. But we won't get that anymore.
2: But there's still going to be a live event section of their quarterly report where they're going to explain why the changes are what they are.
1: Yes, and that will probably be the, the biggest driver is that if they record that revenue. And the other part is that due to the way that they uh, changed that, that bizarre accounting shift – Not bizarre, but the the actually very normal accounting shift that they did this year, where they changed how they say, if I have a long-term contract and I'm owed a bunch of money, how will I basically put that money on my balance sheet? And it was a whole discussion about basically saying instead of taking it as a lump sum, you should take it in pieces. And because of that, things like the WWE royalties on video games and whatnot might change the way that they show up on the balance sheet this year versus last year. But you could also see that with the Saudi show where you could say – Well, if the Saudi money is so many millions of dollars per year but it's contingent on doing X, Y, and Z, then perhaps it's going to be connected to X, Y, and Z and therefore the money that's coming in would be connected to the show. So even the amount of money that we see them get for the greatest Royal Rumble may or may not represent how much money they've been promised for 2018 because in my mind, if they're doing other things in Saudi Arabia in 2018, then the money should be delayed until the time that they do those other events.
2: Well, I would strongly guess that uh, they got a lot of money from Saudi Arabia in Q2. I, I don't think they're, like, fronting the money for the Greatest Royal Rumble, going and doing the show without any payments from – without without sufficient payments to cover the costs at the very least.
1: Absolutely. Just in the past, though, WWE would have booked all the value. Say say they got paid for all of twenty up eighteen front. Mm-hmm. They might have booked the whole value in one quarter. Right. Now they would, would possibly break it out throughout the year.
2: Are, are they I'm doing another show way. in Saudi Arabia this year? Don't think so, right? I am
1: unaware of anything else that they're doing in Saudi Arabia yet. But knowing the way that this is playing out, you know what was the lead time between Greatest Royal Rumble announcement and Greatest Royal Rumble implementation? A month,
2: yeah, something like that. We went over that recently, yeah, about March to April. Yeah,
1: so maybe the big announcement from Stephanie McMahon, the historic announcement, is not only are they doing a women's pay per view,
2: they're going to do it in Saudi Arabia.
1: That would that would shut us up pretty good, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. That would definitely shut us all up. That I would I would kowtow to WWE if they did that. I would say you guys win. <laughs> you win this round of the culture wars. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that will be one of the biggest things that you know. If we're looking, if you're a writer and you're trying to create your narrative, getting ready for Thursday, uh, the first one is going to be WrestleMania attendance. And and take it from me, take it from Brandon. I've covered these for years and years. If you want to talk about what sells, what gets people excited to talk about, you know, like what's going to get retweets, WrestleMania attendance, people love that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Vince quotes. Anytime Vince McMahon says anything on a QA, and a especially if it can be taken out of context. Yes. Especially if it can be something like um, Roman is the best champion we've ever had
2: or – He never says um, anything like that. But-
1: Brock, Brock – Brock is a Brock is an asset like no other,
2: you know, he never says anything like that either. But
1: yeah, but or swing and a miss, you know, whatever it's going to be. Some mm-hmm. some Vince thing
2: or if he has to, you know, you know, what got it some of uh, some views was like, um, uh, Paul, what what are their names again? He's referring to like the uh, the, the, the the new Middle Eastern talent that she Shada- died.
1: Shadeo Basalo or whatever her name was, which was hilarious because not only did Vince not know her name. WWE didn't know her name. They misspelled her name on their own slide at the business partner summit this year.
0: Mm.
1: I was probably the only one that caught that. But yeah, they misspelled her own name. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so that's one is any Vince quote you can make. That's going to get you a lot of retweets. Uh, WrestleMania attendance helps. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anything about Saudi Arabia is obviously going to get you a lot of attention. Uh, NXT attendance, that's always interesting to kind of compare quarter over quarter mm-hmm. is that we do get NXT attendance usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's w- another element that kind of gets people excited. Um, uh, for me, I get excited about the lawsuit update is that they, they always try to put in some you know, real small comments about what is happening in the lawsuits. For the life of me, I can't figure out what's happening in the CTE lawsuit right now. Is It appears effectively dead, but for whatever reason, it has not closed. And I can't tell if that's because they're going to have to refile for a third time or if, like, it's just some small regulatory thing about them trying to get the sanctions on Kairos finished. And that's why it's still open. It's really unclear to me what's happening in that lawsuit. So I'm hoping for a little bit of clarity from this filing. Um I'll we'll we'll be call, curious if um, they disclose the fact that Titus O'Neill's lawsuit is part of, you know, that they've been named in that, or if they disclose the fact that Randy Orton's tattoo artist is suing them, right. or if they talk about the fact that they're suing a company called Transworld Television over not paying them TV fees.
2: Well, just just reach out to KNL Gates and just say, hey, what's the deal?
1: I I might I might do that. I, I, I'm. I'm willing to wait till Thursday. I've been looking to see what the next kind of set of filings is. I've also reached out to Mr. Kairos, and and uh, we've you know a couple times changed emails of oh I'm too busy to talk right now. Call me on the state, and the two of us have not connected yet. Hmm. But uh, someday I might in fact uh, have an update for us all about what's happening in that lawsuit. Um, well, other things, things that are going to be in WWE Q2 mm-hmm. sometimes. You know the the, the Q and A session is going to give us some idea about what's going on in India and the UK. See if they change any of the timelines for when they mention the next set of deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, see if anybody asks them the big questions about ROH MS. You know the MSG being run by Ring of Honor New Japan.
2: Yeah. Um, see what, if like, anybody can...
1: asks them any big questions about the state of their dividend. Probably about when are they going to double their dividend. Mm-hmm. See if BTIG continues to write their investor fan fiction about you know rebuying the
2: stock. How likely do you think it is someone actually asks about Madison Square Garden? How likely – I guess the secondary question there is how likely do you think the analysts are aware that that story is happening? I think a few of them might be aware of it, uh, but I would still put the likelihood of the question being asked pretty low
1: because – Normally, I would say yes. The only exception to that is the fact that it was a lot of the business journals that was actually breaking a lot of that news. That's true. And so there is something to be said for the fact that, A, it's New York, and so – it's going to resonate a lot more in New York, and that's probably where be a lot of those Sinclair, analysts actually are calling from, news.
2: right? That the analysts, a lot of those analysts are in New York. Maybe all of them.
1: A lot of the investment bankers are for sure, and and the fact that it's Sinclair and they're all in the news right now, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, the FCC. It's it's the biggest merger uh, in the media thing outside of the Time Warner deal going on.
2: Mm-hmm. So, what questions should they be asking? Those, any others?
1: Well, like you and I talked about, is the state of WWE popularity, one element of that is the attendance number. And I I do think that you could begin asking more and more questions to WWE to say, in light of your new TV rights fees, what is the balance between live events, international growth, WWE network and television focus? How do you balance those priorities? And at what point would we maybe see a pullback? on number of live events per year to make sure your talent is in the best shape for television. When are you going to relaunch your WWE network and create a tiered network? What additional information can you give us about the digital rights landscape of what you're trying to do here? Are we going to see a single deal or are we going to see a dual deal in the, in the rest of the world? Um, What's the deal with global, uh, global, what is it? Global localization.
2: Yeah.
1: For NXT. When, what's the timeline on that? What the heck is happening with the WWE UK? You know, what's really going on there. You made us lots of promises about what we'd see from China and India. Talk about those marketplaces. Make it clear to us what's going on there. Um, what are you doing about star creation? Who's who's big for you guys right now? You know, I, I I always think that this people should be asking them about stars, even though you're never gonna get an answer from a George or a Michelle. Mm-hmm. Because I want them to be in that position to start thinking, oh, my God, I should actually understand what the star creation
2: vehicle is for this company. G- George and um, Michelle, that that is people who are not deeply involved in the in the creative process like George Barros and, and Michelle Wilson, who are co-presidents of WB. They should be asked those questions to to make it aware to them that this is something that investors and analysts care about or should care about. I don't know if they yeah, do, but they should. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, I, I think this MSG shows a perfectly good question to ask is just to say, you know, you guys have run the same place for 58 years.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Your competitors,
2: they have no competitors. (laughs) Their competitors are Disney.
1: These upstarts (laughs) from Japan are going to be running a show in Madison square garden on WrestleMania weekend. How did that happen?
2: Is my son Shane involved in that in Japan? <laughs>
1: um, I, You know, I I would always go back to, you know, and just the weird reports, things we've heard, the rumors. Hey, I heard you're going to put NXT on Fox. Is that true?
2: FS1, yeah. That's a rumor.
1: Uh, I, I heard uh, 205 Live is coming to Fox. Is that true?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I heard ITV is trying to launch in the UK. Are you guys stopping that? You know, whatever it is, I, there's just lots of there's lots of questions like that. But then a lot of it is going to go back towards how much are you investing in the company? What does your OIBDA for 2020 look like? Um, can you give us more breakout on the domestic rights here and break out? You know, specifically, how much when we look at those charts there? How much is Canada? How much is South Africa? Why don't you give us this detail? By and the then way, go back to the fundamentals. Talk to us about your idea to give WrestleMania free every year. Yeah, you told us you'd give us some detail about how that experiment worked out. What can you tell us about that now?
2: By, by the or, way, the uh, the timing of this uh, expected Stephanie McMahon announcement that she's going to make on Raw that's going to be historic, probably not coincidental that this is happening the week of a quarterly report, right? If, if it turns out to be as rumored that the W is doing an all-women's pay-per-view. I, you know.
1: I, I guarantee Michelle Wilson will bring it up if it is.
2: Yeah and it'll be hyped in in the in the in the report it'll be hyped there'll be a press release on corporate.w.com about it if if that's what the news is
1: i bet you 10 to 1 that we'll get a hogan question before we'll get an msg question
2: yeah i get i i i think it's more likely that we'll get a hogan question than an msg question but i think the msg question is a bigger question
1: well i think the hogan question does have a strong argument there to say What are you as a a corporation doing Mm. in bringing this kind of thing, person back in the fold? Yeah. Um, How how do you deal with the fact that your wrestlers, you know, do you really feel like you ask them their opinions or did you just kind of host this on them? And here's the larger one. And I think it was Alfred. I'm going to butcher his last name. uh, From Forbes. uh, Kawona, who writes for Forbes. Yeah. uh, He made a great point where he's like, where is any diversity of leadership in WWE? Mm hmm. You know, Barrios is Cuban American, Mm -hmm. Um, and 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 of course Michelle Wilson and Stephanie McMahon and previously Linda McMahon and Donna Goldsmith and others has been female leadership, but there has been very little uh, leadership outside of of uh, white males for the most part in WWE, and you know there there is a time when you could make a strong argument of maybe they're not doing enough to look at diversity in their ranks as they become an international corporation and they're making decisions like, when do you bring back Hulk Hogan?
2: Yeah. I I think they they obviously make token efforts for diversity uh, when it comes to the hall of fame, when it comes to announced teams, uh, but, but of positions of real power, like it's a lot of white men. There's some women, obviously, as you said, Michelle Wilson, Stephanie McMahon. uh, But like, think about, think about who the big, Producers producers are Paul Levesque, Brian James, Michael Hayes. Uh, well, I
1: mean, Devon is a producer, technically.
2: Devon's an agent now, yep. Um,
1: but it, it's it's something that is sensitive, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just one that, you know, I, if you look at the board of directors, um, I think there might be one person on their board of directors who who might be Asian-American. I'm not yes. certain about that. I think you're right. But, uh, you know, it's, it's – again – I think WWE, for all the, the lip service it pays, it probably could do better with thinking more about how they could be a, a 21st century corporation that also looks more at diversity. Because I think if they want to be a truly international corporation, it says a lot about their decisions on both, you know, dealing with the Saudi government, but other kind of things, dealing with Hulk Hogan, dealing with other things. Uh, to say, what are you doing to look at more mindsets and more voices than just the small group that you're used to of yes men? And, of course, in professional wrestling, it's riddled with that. You know, the same small group of people holding power and and agreeing with each other well,
2: over well, the years. A man said in an interview once, and I think about 2004, he would hope that the people around him and his family and so forth would tell him that he's out of touch if he ever became out of touch. Uh, Laureen Ong, uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing, is a Asian-American. Uh, is, yeah. Is she the was the one that was in my head when yeah. I said that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, and yes, yes, I, I see. Um, yep. Yep. That is
2: accurate. Yeah. Um, and so, then the so other she's piece of it is, on the board of directors. She is. What, what's her actual job? She's the
1: she's she's one of the outside member board of directors. Yeah. Yeah, she's one she, of the members of the board of directors that does not work directly for WWE, the which means she's on a lot of the committees. Then that is also trying to decide things that would be conflicts of interest for WWE, like compensation.
2: Her LinkedIn says she is the she is the principal of Lorraine Ong Media and Management. Yeah, she was a former Travel Media Strategy President. Yep. In the National Geographic uh, but, Channel, but,
1: and also just you know you mentioned Michael Hayes. I mean, think about the fact that Bobby Lashley's back with this company. Yep. If you go back in history and and kind of trace through the what happened with Bobby Lashley story, it is not a pretty story. What did <laughs> it, happen? It, basically, uh, he got injured. While he was injured, there seemed to be a quiet release, and it more or less came out that it sounded like there was some comments made by Michael Hayes that Lashley did not appreciate, and he felt that it, he was kind of in a hostile environment. Mm-hmm. That my understanding of kind of what what appears to have happened was that
2: Bobby Lashley's but it, 42. How about that? OK, because yeah. um,
1: because he left very quietly, very quickly. He had been injured for a little while, and he was also very disappointed with how Crystal, who at the time was his girlfriend, was being treated.
2: So I'm just reading from Wikipedia for what it's worth uh, on, on July. This is 2008, July 30th episode of Raw. Lashley was defeated by Mr. Kennedy during the match. He was injured uh, Lashley took some time off for surgery for the legitimate injury he suffered, uh, after a six month hiatus, W announced that Lashley was released from his W contract on February 4th,
1: 2008. Yeah. And, and I remember I went back on, I think the observer board and I went through all the observers at the time mm-hmm. to try to find, you know, the kind of like, what happened? Um, you know, what, what was, what was the story behind this? Cause I remember there being something, uh, I'm very curious. I'm just trying to like, as I'm talking to you here, yeah. see I, if I I mean, Mark,
2: Mark find... Henry had some issues with Michael Hayes too, didn't he?
1: Yes. I think they were very much aligned in terms of uh, where they were getting frustrated. And uh, the belief that Michael Hayes was using terms that were very offensive at the time, not at the time, but very offensive to those, to those wrestlers. And that it was such that I believe Bobby Lashley, who WWE did not want to release because Vince McMahon was very high on Bobby Lashley. Uh, You know, kind of was given an out as opposed to, uh, you know, other things like here we go. Um, I'm pulling up the. The quotes from the observer at the time. Uh, Booker laughed when he was asked about Michael Hayes and the racism in the conference call. He says, Hayes thinks he's black. I don't look at Michael as a racist myself, he said. I've heard him use the N word before. He's one of the people who can use the word around me because I know there's no malice behind it. So, um one thing is I think it was around uh that that Michael Hayes uh using the N-word. Yeah. And then in Feb in uh February 2008, The Figure 4 uh posted something and at the time it just said Bobby Lashley's finished with WWE. We don't know the entire story yet because it's very complex. He has opted out of talking about it. And um Dave in the Observer Basically talks about how uh, Lashley is is was Vince McMahon's pet project, and you know of course he was in the big angle with Donald Trump, and uh, they they he he said among the reasons believed included the Mania payoff, not wanting to work in a company that tolerated the behavior of Michael Hayes, the SmackDown lead writer. Apparently this stemmed from something Hayes said or was related to the treatment of Crystal Marshall, Lashley's girlfriend, and her subsequent firing. Although Marshall had tremendous heat with a lot of people, hardly a minute to Hayes, she was let go. Um, and then, uh, lashing the WWE officially parted ways on two four after a week where the company made a strong effort to get him back. Nobody's really talking about it. I don't really know the terms of his release. He earned in excess of one million dollars last year, and there was mostly a vibe that he was very lucky to be put in such a position so early in his career, and that he was making a mistake in walking out. But the biggest part of this being that that. It seemed very much that Lashley made the choice to walk away, not that WWE didn't want him there.
2: It looks like in 2008, uh, he made, Bobby Lashley made an official statement on uh, his official website. I can't go into details of this now, but like I said before, sometimes people will hate you personally and try to destroy you, which has happened here. Evil has prevailed. However, like I said before, you continue your struggle. Doors will open around these people. Very uh, cryptic. Okay.
1: But I just brought it up. It's just – it's it just shows you full circle how things happen mm. and at the same time, you know, that fundamentally there's a lot of questions about is WWE as an organization really changing its management and its understanding of these issues or are they just continuing to kind of kind of put people back in positions and just kind of shake their head and say, well, that's how they are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, you know, I, I would always go back to the Hulk story I think is indicative of – the larger culture in WWE, which is saying it's 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 very top, it's driven by these singular visions, and they can create very toxic culture workplaces. Mm-hmm.
2: And hey, M- Michael Hayes grew up in the American South.
1: He did. Um, we talked about the MSG show on our premium show uh, the last two weeks on the free show for the free show listeners. On this one, uh, they've been hearing our history of WWE 2018. Where we kind of broke down all the huge things that happened this year. You know, Dave Lagana on our premium show, our patron show, did a great interview with us, and he talked about how 2018 is going to go in the history books as one of the most important years ever for WWE. And he's accurate in saying that because when you think about everything from the Saudi Arabia to the, you know, what you call the Snickers doctrine yeah. to the TV money, this was a banner year for WWE, a transform- transformative year for them.
2: Yeah, I, I almost feel like every year of the last few years has been kind of like that, right? I mean, starting with 2014, I guess.
1: I think since the network has been announced, yeah. it has been a years of transformation, though I think the, the touch point this year is huge just because the TV deals are such a a, a, a giant step up.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I think 2017 was a pretty transformative year, at least in terms of talent, because that's, that's the uh, – what, what did uh, what did I call it, or what did Vince call it in in nineteen eighty four? The uh, not tumultuous, the turbulent year of two thousand seventeen, where you know, they've where they started up the uh, the UK tournament and May Young Classic. I that was two thousand seventeen, and the Cruiserweight Classic was in two thousand sixteen, and, and in two thousand sixteen they signed Nakamura, and they, there's just things like this that you know we never would have expected, and
1: Rousey and Brock and everything else that's going on right now too.
2: Yeah. I think that a big change in, in talent philosophy happened in late two thousand fourteen, uh, when they started signing Finn Balor, Hideo Itami, and Kevin Owens. So it, it's been a very transformative last five years or so, and I think the future is going to be even more transformative. Just if nothing else, the decision because,
1: the decision to let Br- Daniel Bryan come back and wrestle for them.
2: Yeah, true. I, I think things are going to be even more transformative if for no other reason, just because you know this is my my philosophy is that media is going to become even more diverse and fragmented and going to going to allow you know give opportunities to people who had less power in the past
1: though it, it always strikes me as fascinating that the network which in many ways you would have thought would be the biggest driver of change for this company in some ways is overshadowed now by the TV deals Where the network stagnates out and you have to kind of revitalize it in a totally different way, whereas TV, something that's been an engine for them since 1999, uh, with some gaps in the middle there, but um, is, is what's actually going to kind of propel them into the next stratosphere. It's not the network announcement; it's the the television deals.
2: Yeah, the and, the, the and I, I
1: don't think you can ever separate one from the other and say, "Well, they would have been on the exactly the same course if they had never given up pay per view and they would never done this." No, I'm not saying that, but I'm just I mean it's interesting because I think in 2014 or 2015 I would have been talking about how the network is going to be generating all their money and all their world, and in the end, it's still TV. Yeah,
2: and the network in the end, I think has. Reduce the volatility of their business, you know, they're, it did. It did. they're, they're certainly not in a position anymore where, uh, you, you never know well, what, what's this paper, how's this pay-per-view gonna perform? How's that pay-per-view gonna perform? It's a very predictable, uh, it's a very predictable service in terms of the subscribers. They, they get it within 2% every quarter and they probably will this quarter, which we'll find out on Thursday. They're very good at predicting, you know, how many subscribers they're gonna, they're gonna gain and lose and what their, their number is gonna be every quarter. Uh,
1: which is ironic In the sense that from a wrestler standpoint, you're at such a disadvantage, right? Because you're in a model where it's about the live gate houses Mm -hmm. and pay per view buys. And now this industry is about TV rights and WWE network numbers. And you don't really have a say in either of those.
2: You have an effect, but it's like a a super long term effect. It's not like. But I meant
1: more your paycheck.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I just mean that's that's amazing in a way that like you know we've gone wrestlers are stuck with they're getting paid on houses and they're getting paid on probably no longer but they used to get paid on the number of pay per view buys and the things that are actually driving the business for them now is this network stability and their uh, enormous TV deals and the wrestlers aren't getting one percent of that
2: mm-hmm. they're probably still being paid based on without the non televised. Live events are doing though, right? They're probably getting paid based on tickets sold. They're based
1: on the the the, the very temperament or formula that's used for that, yes,
2: mm-hmm. which is probably a lot of subjectivity involved in to to exactly. determine the hierarchy there. Yeah,
1: yeah. Let's talk about this MSG show. We haven't talked about it so far in the free show. Uh, Ring of Honor is in fact going to be running the big uh, show on the WrestleMania weekend, and uh, in the end, WWE not able to stop Madison Square Garden from going through with the agreement. Sounds like basically Madison Square Garden got afraid of having a lawsuit over it. Mm-hmm. And WWE definitely didn't want to be in the middle of that. They weren't a hill to die on. Mm-hmm. You know, it wouldn't look great in court to say, well, we want to keep somebody else happy, so we decided to uh deny negotiations that we had already done in good faith with somebody else because we were just trying to get WWE to, you know my, my my belief is is MSG was secretly trying to get WWE to pony up. And in the end, WWE didn't take the bait even though they were displeased with them. To pony
2: up what? What do you mean by that? Do some dates in their their arena. Do more Madison Square Garden shows run by WWE.
1: Yeah. That's my belief is that Madison Square Garden partially wanted to get WWE to kind of play ball more. Mm -hmm. In addition, I think they wanted to do this deal, but I'm sure WWE tried to intimidate them. And nor do I think that you know Madison Square Garden was ever super gung ho about the idea of making WWE angry.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, the The Observer had some news out about this this week, uh, basically saying that uh, you know Ring of Honor or Sinclair made a legal threat to to Madison Square Garden, and Madison Square Garden was un- unwilling to take the legal hit. For WWE, uh, the Observer reported as soon as the announcement was made, WWE called MSG and attempted to block the booking. MSG pulled the date from Ring of Honor, and Sinclair immediately threatened a lawsuit. So, uh, in the long run, it was important for Sinclair and WWE to not be at odds. And uh, Dave gets into this whole thing about how you know Sinclair could have uh, pulled SmackDown from from the, the Fox Sinclair affiliates, and that that could have really affected WWE in, in terms Which of ratings. Is
1: a garbage argument. <laughs> Mm-hmm. When, when does, when does uh, SmackDown go to Fox?
2: October 2019.
1: When is this show?
2: April 6th, 2019.
1: So are you really trying to tell me that six months after this show not happening, Sinclair would shoot themselves in the foot?
2: It, it seems less likely because of the time difference there. It
1: seems idiotically <laughs> – I can understand if you're talking about 2020. Where it's the middle of the run. Why would people believe that Sinclair in their Fox controlled stations, knowing that they're going to be basically pissing off their local affiliates, they're going to be pissing off their lead in for the news, they're going to be uh, screwing with the local ads, they're going to screw with everything because of one show that their rinky dink wrestling organization does?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is a this is what happens when you put wrestling in the center of your diagram, and you build your vision of the world around it, rather than put Sinclair, the mega corporation that they are, in the middle of your diagram, and then you put where Ring of Honor is on the outer moon of Saturn.
2: Is, is that where Ring is that where Ring of Honor uh, headquarters? I and mean, i
1: i just find it to be it's it's one of these fantasy these these financial fantasy booking stories mm-hmm. in my mind well, they, the they idea Dave really they, seems to believe
2: that this is what happened and it's the key it's the key leverage s- over WWE.
1: six months after the show would not have happened that they would be trying to punish them mm-hmm. that's absurd fox sports would have a hissy fit if they did that
2: mm-hmm. and it would it would so not I, be it would not be worth the trouble that it would cause you think
1: what else would they put on? How would they make it better for themselves? It, it It's a self-defeating thing to get angry, and that's why you want your corp- – that's why the sections of your corporation, you want to have independence. Now, do I think Sinclair is dumb enough to do this? Do I think they're stubborn enough to do this? Yes. Yeah. Do I think it's going to happen? No, especially because, like I say, it's six months later. Yeah. If it was in the middle of when they were on television, you could at least fathom it. But the idea that you'd be holding a grudge that much longer. Think about the times WWE's gone to war with people. Like when they went to war with Dish TV or TV over pay per views. Mm-hmm. Or when uh, TV stations have been threatened to be t- kicked off, you know, uh, like a, a big cable operator. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, oh, you know, if, if we lose this channel, then you, you won't be able to watch such and such. Those fights usually last a week, a month, two months. They don't last six months. Mm hmm so I, I I just find this to be one of these like everybody thinks it takes it really seriously and I want to just take everybody around and say wait a second do you really think the head of Sinclair gives a crap about this Chris Ripley I, I, I mean I guess Chris Ripley cares enough but I don't think he cares enough to shoot himself in the in the foot in that way yeah, to, so. to, to cause all those problems for Fox sports that, that's my belief but Within, I, again yeah. I, I'm just I'm, I'm just calling it like I see it but I think I think this is one that people have just tried to create this elaborate doomsday scenario.
2: In all likely somebody's probably telling this to, to Dave and, you know, he, he believes this is what's going on.
1: Yeah. But again, it, it puts wrestling in the center of the, the Sinclair universe in such a way that they're willing
2: to kill themselves to die on a hill for wrestling. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that's true. Mm-hmm. All into live on Fox in 2019, maybe. On a, the, on a on a the, weekly basis
1: <laughs> for but putting everything in perspective what a coup de gras from roh in new japan because i mean in 60 years was there ever a better time that you could run madison square garden and get away with it
2: yeah wrestlemania weekend uh is it gonna sell out and what if it does sell out tickets go on sale august 8th for honor club members that's their ott service and then to the public two days later on August 10th, how fast is this going to sell out? Is it going to sell out? Uh, I, I did a poll very informally on Twitter, 163 respondents, 64% of them said, yes, this is going to sell out. 36% say no.
1: I'm shocked that that many people don't think it's
2: going to sell out. Mm-hmm. I,
1: I don't know if that's because there's the, you know, Dave mentions in the observer that there's talent like Kenny Omega and young bucks that were not announced. And so I agree those are valuable talent and that if you don't have them on, there's a small degree of people that are going to say, hey, I don't want to go to that show. Mm-hmm. But I honestly think if it's WrestleMania weekend and it's MSG, you have such a huge base of people to draw from. And the fact that even NXT is not the level of WWE, but it's so the, – it, the the how quaint this is, you know? Do I think it's going to sell out next year if they ran it two years in a row? No. But do I think it could sell out once in the the, the vision of All In where you have all the factors going for you and you're announcing it six months in advance? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it will sell out unless they price the tickets wrong.
2: Yeah. I think if, if All In sold out as fast as it did, this is going to sell out. Uh, the biggest draw here is not even any one star, although they are factors in this. I think the biggest draw here is wrestling history. And granted, the stars yeah. are, are the ones who are, are you know booing this wrestling history, uh, being able to happen. But uh, I,
1: I do think you'd need New Japan and Ring of Honor. I do not think Ring of Honor by itself is strong
2: enough to sell the show out. Yeah, I mean that's what All In is as well, right? All, All In is going to have Okada on it. I think it's going to – is it going to have Tanahashi on it? Do you recall? I don't recall one way or the other. Yeah, but, but it's going to have New know. Japan talent on it. It's going to have uh, – All In is going to have Cody Omega, the Young Bucks on it. Maybe yeah. this Madison Square Garden will have them on it. We'll see.
1: Um, yeah, so so in my mind, it, it's the right time to strike. It's the right way. It, it. I would actually say this speaks a lot about Harold May is I think Harold May is aggressive about his desire to make an impact in the U.S. and deals like this are the way things are going to move quickly,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and uh, getting that kind of support makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah, I I think it's absolutely going to sell out. I could be proven very, very wrong um, because maybe the New York marketplace is so expensive or so difficult to move tickets in um, or there's so much secondary scalping or whatever. But yeah, I I don't fathom how WrestleMania weekend it can't – I mean you and I went to the WrestleCon show Mm -hmm. and that had no problem drawing a couple thousand people and that wasn't even like remotely the – yeah. everything
2: yeah. that this show would about 1800 be. i think i, I either yeah. counted or figured estimated somehow yeah. and that was so like I, kenny omega in a in a tag match against opponents that weren't even advertised
1: <laughs> yeah chucky d chucky t and a guy in a uh a grass suit yeah
2: it was it, um, it, it ended up being uh our, our friend uh, fl- and flat earth uh champion uh flip flip flip, flip was it was flip, it flip flip yeah flip flip gordon and uh because remember he did the uh, the shooting star that, that got no reaction, and, and he, I thought that was cried. the
1: Will Osprey match. No, okay, no, see, got all mixed up. Yeah. But we're talking about Sinclair and Trib- Tribune, and a lot of news coming out this week about the Sinclair Tribune deal and how it's falling apart. How even in this very conservative FCC, I say conservative in some ways, uh, laissez faire FCC environment, we're in.
2: Before before uh, we jump to Sinclair. August. So tickets go on sale to the public for this MSG show on August 10th. August 11th is the show sold out or not?
1: No, no.
2: It's going to it's going to take some time to sell out. You think?
1: I think it's going to take a few weeks. Yeah, I, I think fifteen thousand tickets is a lot of tickets. Mm-hmm.
2: It's a, just a, mean, it's a few thousand more than all in, which sold out. Yeah, in but minutes. ticket
1: prices are going to be twice as high.
2: Are they? Have you seen ticket I mean, prices yet? are those public? no
1: but no but I'm just saying what I've learned from
2: yeah. two
1: things number one what we learned from all in is that they price their tickets way too low yeah the secondary market is is was seven times the price that a lot of these tickets were going for mm-hmm. that's number one number two Ring of or Madison Square Garden costs a buttload of money to run It's arguably the most expensive arena in the in the United States to run yeah.
2: something like four hundred thousand dollars probably just to get the venue.
1: Yeah, so it, it's an incredibly expensive event place, and so the amount of money that All In made as a whole would probably not even gate the live gate number might not even cover what it will cost to run Madison Square.
2: Well, did, did, didn't uh, we or someone from Voices of Wrestling estimate what the gate was based on all the ticket prices and something like eight hundred thousand dollars for All In?
1: I thought it was close to half a million. Was but was it eight hundred thousand? Uh, I don't know. I can try to find it. Yeah, but either way, my my point is. I just don't believe you can you can make it a profitable show unless you're almost ticket prices at at least two x, yeah. and it's the New York marketplace. I think it's going to sell for a hell of a lot more than the Chicago marketplace outside of Chicago marketplace.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I I just think it's going to be a slower process. I also think that you know there's going to be that element where y- you have to make that decision: Do I want to buy the ticket for MSG or do I want to buy the ticket for NXT? and then over time here if NXT sells out or if, if this sells out maybe it will impact the way the other show runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think like just like WrestleMania, WrestleMania doesn't sell out in a day.
2: So, you know, it just takes time for people to make those decisions these days. Mm-hmm. Well, WrestleMania is they put on, you know, at least 50,000 tickets to to the open market. Maybe.
1: They do. They do.
2: Yeah. You're right. So, I
1: Hard for me to say. I'm not an expert on ticket sales, but um, it just seems like to me it will get there. It won't get there in two days.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, end of August, I'd be shocked. If they did that, that's a phenomenal success. Personally, I think they don't sell it out till the end of October or maybe even not until 2019.
2: Well, we'll, we'll be watching on Ticketmaster or whatever ticket outlet gives us that precious mm-hmm. venue map. I'm sure Lavi will be watching closely as well.
1: Exactly. Uh, but as I was saying, the Sinclair Tribune deal is falling apart. Uh, there was the Variety article, Sinclair revises divestiture plan to save Tribune merger, denies misleading FCC. The Gizmodo article, very critical of Agent Pi, uh, the FCC chairman. Uh, and it says why the Sinclair deal might be too slimy for Agent Pie's FCC with the the kind of implied thing here of like they're willing to do anything and they're not even willing to do this. And FCC letter, which you can click on and read if you're a subscriber to uh, WrestleNomics and you want to read our our notes, I have clicks here. And basically it came down to – there was concerns about the Chicago station, uh, WGN, the Dallas station, KDAF, the Houston station, KIAH. And uh, FCC unanimously decided to send the merger to an administrative judge for a hearing, and they said it might not be in the public interest. They were concerned that some of the quote-unquote divestitures where Sinclair said, oh, we'll sell these stations to avoid having too uh, too high a percentage in these marketplaces, they were being sold to things like the children of stockholders in Sinclair Corporation. And basically other groups like Newsmax were complaining and saying this is absolutely – a clear example of people just trying to use basically shell ownership to maintain control but pretend it's not directly owned by Sinclair anymore. Mm -hmm. And it appears that they – you know, FCC was so annoyed by this that they basically were saying, no, we're not going to approve the deal. It wasn't one of these like, "Okay, say you're contrite, change the deal around a little bit, we'll give it a, a, a go at this point, it's looking like it might just be one they get the thumbs down to and they have to completely change. And they had already made some questionable concessions to Sinclair in this organ- in this uh, setting. Things like uh, allowing them to have greatly a larger marketing share uh, of the marketplaces than, than would normally be allowed by kind of changing the way that they were counting certain stations and kind of lifting caps. Um, and also some questionable – Decisions around um, Chairman Pai's meetings with Sinclair and Sinclair lobbyists, and and kind of whether or not that was all on the books and was clear and open what was happening there.
2: And all, all in gate just short of half a million. You're right.
1: Okay, so that that was my point is that if the all in gate is only worth half a million dollars, the idea that MSG, you know, okay, it, at all in prices, that would mean they would get maybe six hundred thousand or eight hundred thousand.
2: Yeah, they'll charge way more for ticket prices. The all, all in ticket prices were. Twenty-eight dollars to one hundred and fifty-three dollars. They're going to charge way more for that. I don't know. Let's say an aver- average ticket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, let's see if I can find in the Polestar data.
2: Uh, the Polestar data
1: that I recently uh, came across here, I think it does have Madison Square Garden.
2: Does it have like there. the cost of running Madison Square Garden? Is that what you're saying? The expense? No. no. Okay. Well then.
1: No, but I can see what the average gate is. So they're they're listing. Um, okay. It's interesting here for the capacity because they have a different capacity number for every show. <laughs> <laughs> that they ran at the garden
2: here. Well, these may have different um, configurations, you know.
1: Yeah. 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 So they, they 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 have a total of um, – so the data set I'm looking at here has a total of 14 shows. Uh, shows in 2001, 2000, 2008, 2016, 1999. Um, so a lot of different years. But essentially the gross on these shows, um, one of them is very confusing Because it implies they did 38,000 people in an arena that holds 19,000. Which I don't know if that was because they ran two shows that day or what that's supposed to mean. That just seems like a wrong number to me. What year? In 2001. Mm. It clearly – something's wrong.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, When it it says they sold out in in 2000 uh, at 19,000 and they did a gate of 1.1 million. But again, those were – that was – Fifteen years ago, um, the most recent year I have with a gate is 2009, when I have them selling 13,000 tickets and only doing 5.59. So they said uh, lowest tickets were worth 20 bucks and the highest tickets were worth 75. So shockingly low from 2009, but that also might suggest that a) you're making a ton of money on venue merchandise, and b). Um, ticket prices we know have gone way up compared to that in more recent years
2: yeah um let, let's do some conservative math i think this is conservative average ticket price for this ring of honor new japan msg show let's say a hundred hundred dollars that would be about double what the all-in average ticket price is so let's say a hundred dollars average ticket price let's let's say a sellout is only thirteen hundred thirteen thousand not even fifteen thousand that's still a 1.3 million dollar gate
1: Yeah, they have the – I think Meltzer even wrote they have a chance to possibly do the first million-dollar gate in the United States that's not WWE. Mm -hmm. I mean almost no one else has done that except for UFC. I I don't know if Bellator's even done a million-dollar
2: gate. Did WCW ever have a million-dollar gate?
1: Did ECW? ECW had a million-dollar losses.
2: World Championship Wrestling, WCW.
1: No, no. I think uh, Dave wrote that even they never did a million-dollar gate.
2: Yeah. Like Georgia Don uh, would probably be the closest. I would imagine that would be one of the very closest. Um, and, you know, we could go to, I
1: think it's what is it, prowrestlinghistory.com?
2: Yeah, that's what was, I'm typing it in, in, in the address bar right now.
1: Uh, and uh, really great spreadsheet. It, it's, it's This is one of those good examples of kind of a secret resource. You click on supercards and tournaments. Scroll your left bar all the way down, and there's a little tab that says Event Info. Click on that, and you'll open up an Excel spreadsheet. In that Excel spreadsheet is a whole bunch of different gate numbers for different companies from around the world. Uh, and So if you go to NA, NA Stadium, uh, you can see everything going back to 67 where Fritz versus Knitzky in um, Arlington, Texas, how they did when they drew 13,000 people. But um, you know, highest gates
2: over a million bucks. Let's see here. So, so we want, we think the off the top of your head, the top of my head anyway, the biggest WCW show, Georgia Dome, Goldberg versus Hogan.
1: Yeah, it says that it did nine hundred and thirty thousand dollars, so just shy. And they also did one at the TWA Dome in uh, December nineteen ninety eight. uh it, that's in St. Louis, and they did nine hundred and fourteen thousand dollars yeah there's, so, there's
2: actually a section in if you I'm not looking at the Excel spreadsheet I'm looking at if you just go to the WCW section of processinginghi.com and you scroll down to stadium/ dome shows you'll get all the stadium/ dome shows some of them have gate numbers some of them don't yeah
1: so I'm looking at the spreadsheet right now yeah.
2: and there is
1: no WCW gates over a million dollars you and, know some of the first million dollar gates was Austin Rock in 2001 at the Alamo Dome.
2: Yeah. Um, Ooh, the, the the finger poke of doom, January fourth, nineteen ninety nine, at the Georgia Dome, nine hundred and thirty thousand dollars.
1: Yeah, that's the one they mentioned. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, the, but the Hogan uh, Goldberg match, uh, which is also at the Georgia Dome, forty one thousand four hundred and twelve people there, nine hundred and six thousand dollars.
1: Yeah. So very close. So so to the question of did WCW ever do it? No. Inflation
2: adjusted, yes. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Inflation adjusted, it would be.
1: Absolutely. But, yeah. I mean, it, it does say a lot that, you know, from a, a popularity standpoint, WCW was a hell of a lot more popular than Ring of Honor and New Japan ever was. Yeah.
2: You know, so. If we look but, at, yeah. like, inflation calculator, if I can get this up in time to take, uh, let's see, $930,000 in 1999.
1: Yeah. Uh, Be probably, let me guess,
2: uh,
1: $1.38 million today. Let's see. One two three,
2: calculate. One point four million dollars.
1: Is Mookie a savant or what?
2: He's just a mathematician.
1: <laughs> I, that really was just a guess from me, but yeah. uh, I'm pretty proud of that guess yeah. now.
2: Yeah, and and I would say that's a fairly conservative estimate. If if they can sell out Mass and Square Garden, that's about what they'll draw. I think. I, I mean, I, who knows what they'll do for for ticket prices? It could be way over that if they sell out.
1: One one of my favorite stats for WCW. December 1998, TWA Dome, 29,000 people. Huh. May 1999, TWA Dome, 20,000 people.
2: May 2000, WCW, TWA Dome, 6,500
1: people. <laughs> yeah, look at that. St. Louis. <laughs> oh, WCW collapsed in what 2000 happened? was a thing of amazement.
2: What happened? We'll, uh, we'll, do, we'll do a special Patreon uh,
1: well, I was going to say, I'm hoping to uh, maybe have the author of the new Nitro yeah, book.
2: Yeah, that Nitro book, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, The Secrets of WCW Nitro. A uh, really good book. Uh, I've been reading it. A uh, guy named, I think it's Guy Evans is his name. Um, and uh, you can buy it at uh, the definitive, definitive book on w- World Championship Wrestling. It's at WCWNitroBook.com. It's called... Nitro: The incredible rise and inevitable collapse of Ted Turner's WCW. I recommend it. Uh, I'm enjoying it. One thing that's really interesting about it is it has lots of quotes from things like Turner executives, uh, where they talk about you know the thought of of running wrestling and their thoughts about that at the time. And yeah, you expect all the wrestler quotes to be kind of wrestler wrestler fied. So it's you know DDP giving his opinion on Eric Bischoff. And it's like you, you, you take that as much as you take a grain of salt any, from any wrestler. But some of the more business executives, you're getting a little bit more straight shooting going on about how they felt about the things at the time. And uh, Guy Evans is a really good writer. And are are, are I those say, uh,
2: original interviews he did for the book? Were I think sourced? so. Oh, I think so. Cool.
1: And so, uh, you know, he, he did exclusive interviews with everyone from Bischoff to Harvey Schiller to Jamie Kellner to Bill Burke. Uh, Joe Uva, Kevin Nash, Vince Russo, Bagwell Sullivan, Neil Pruitt, who is a producer who, uh, you know, does a lot of stuff, uh, a podcast recently, head of public relations for WCW, head of marketing for WCW, you know, people like that, that, yeah, we've heard from the wrestlers, but we haven't heard from a lot of the people who worked behind the scenes. And the stuff we have heard is a lot of times just people rehashing what they read in The Observer at the time. Yeah. So I, I think – and Guy is, does a really good job of, of writing what I think is is a professional book where it's not – it doesn't feel like you're just like slapdashing interviews into a, a, a paragraph, but rather you're writing a story that makes sense. So uh, we'll talk about WCW in the future here.
2: Yeah. Don't, uh,
1: don't drink and tweet. Yeah, just there was a CNBC article with uh, Stephanie McMahon, and they asked all these people, you know, to give advice about you know being these brand leaders, and uh, I actually hated this. I thought <laughs> this was all garbage. Almost every one of these things that these people said, uh, partially because, you know, I, I just feel like a lot of times you have people who are in very powerful positions, and they. They talk about how they're right Mm -hmm. and they talk about how they – that people like them are the right kind of people to be doing their job. Mm -hmm. And what you don't feel a lot of is people saying, here's a hard truth and here's a difficult thing that you have to do which puts you out of your comfort zone. Like one person's piece of advice was ask yourself, are they fun on a bus when you're hiring them? And part of me is just like, yeah, because I'm sure the most important thing to do is to think about – I'm a frat guy who went to an Ivy League school. How can I get other frat guys who went to Ivy League schools in my business?
2: Uh huh.
1: And so I just find that – and so uh, another person's piece of advice was consumers will have more control of advertising in the future. Personalization has a limit. It needs to be more of an agreement between consumers and advertisers. When you reach a balance, when a consumer decides how and what way they want to be reached in the future – and part of me is like, since when has marketers ever given a crap about how consumers actually want to be connected?
2: And again, this is a CNBC article with uh, Stephanie McMahon, among others, among among other inspiring uh, leaders.
1: One person had like a bizarre thing. It said, this is the time to do something, not just communicate. But their example was when CVS Caremark decided to stop selling cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it was a $2 billion in revenue. Well, first of all, it wasn't that much in profit. you know. Those sort of things were being sold at you know incredibly thin margins. Second of all, it was probably a huge amount of labor for them to deal with the cigarettes because you had to keep them locked up. You had to have people always taking them out. It was probably a, a, an item they were worried about, theft and other things. Probably a lot of tax. Taxes that they had to deal with and the fact – I mean I do agree with them. If you're a pharmacy, the fact you sell cigarettes <laughs> does seem like a contradiction, right, if you're about health and well-being? Yeah. But
2: No, do no, now see that 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 is the genius of, of marketing is that you sell the thing that causes the disease and then you sell the treatment of the disease all in the same store.
1: So there's part that- of me that's like, yeah, that is a really interesting thing, but you're you're thinking this is the time to do something, not just communicate? I don't know. It sounds like you're just coming up with a random example against your kind of random aphorism. Mm-hmm. You know, but what this is what did self-help
2: say? book part two. What did Stephanie say about drinking and tweeting?
1: Well, don't drink drink and tweet. She said uh that that the the guideline she tells them is don't drink and tweet and just apply that to everyone in general there's a time and place and everything is captured right now so in other words don't improve the way that you act don't um don't st- don't realize that having hateful racist sexist beliefs mm-hmm. is a problem mm-hmm. the problem is don't get people caught are gonna catch you
2: don't that's right. That's this is a lesson of Hulk Hogan, right? This is hey, full circle. He didn't know he's being recorded.
1: So I, I, it just bugs me when it's like that. It's not be a better person, right? I agree. Don't drink and tweet in the sense that, like, the, what's the fear? Well, the fear is you're going to say something stupid. I think you go to the root cause then. What causes you to say things that are stupid? What makes you ignorant? What are we doing as a corporation to encourage you not to be so ignorant? Mm-hmm. Also, what is your relationship with, quote-unquote, your independent contractors that you care so much about what they're writing all the time? If you're also trying to monetize what they write all the time and tell them what to write all the time.
2: That's right. They're, they're independent. They can do whatever they want. They can leave whenever they want, according to George Barrios. Yeah
1: uh people want brands that reflect their values you know there's thing about being meaningful in in their lives and then the, they don't start a business build a brand. brand 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 of course it's an ad agency that's telling you build a brand how about solve a problem or be relevant everyone's like i want to be the next apple but the reality is we don't necessarily need more brands in this world what we need is more solutions
2: What else we got here?
1: Well, that was the main things for this week, I think. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe uh, just for us to say we're going to be back on Thursday. If you enjoy learning more about uh, WWE results and you want to hear it straight from the source, listen to our show. It's five bucks. Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to hear all this information. And we're over $500 right now on our Patreon, and we made a deal, said we're over $500. we will do video. So we're going to do a video review of what's happening mm-hmm. with uh, WWE. We'll, we'll pull the charts and the, the, the graphs and the documents into the vision so that you can actually see what we're talking about when we're talking about it. Yeah. And, um, and all, that $5. Stuff on, all that
2: stuff on Thursday is going to be uh, only on the Patreon, right?
1: That's the idea yeah. and uh, so you're really missing out if you care about this stuff. And uh, we just did a great two-week review of WWE with all these quotes about the you know conference calls and we had actual you know people saying things. and I, I think that's the thing that gets missed the most in wrestling quote unquote journalism is that uh, there's so much distortion of information and so often people aren't actually listening to the conference calls or reading the transcripts and they're just letting other people kind of decide for them what it means. Um, this week's Wrestling Observer got me all worked up when Dave wrote about Ant-Man and the Warp.
2: Was it in the Observer or was it in the the Daily Update?
1: Oh, it was in the Observer. Okay. And part of me was like, wow, did you ever notice how Dave never screws up the Rocks movies titles?
2: Hmm. This Uh, is in W News?
1: It was in the WWE news, of course, because he wanted to let us know how Skyscraper had underperformed Uh because that's really important WWE news for us all. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also wrote about Errol Lucha's GoFundMe. Yeah. It's not a GoFundMe.
2: Oh. What is it? It's a WeFunder. Ah.
1: What's the difference? Everything. GoFundMe is basically a donation. A WeFunder means you're getting shares in the company. Now, do I think Arrow Lucha is ever going to give any money on that? No, they got to get over like a $10 million valuation to make that work.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But my point is it's insulting to call another person's company a GoFundMe.
2: Well, it's it's Arrow Lucha and – yeah, it's maybe not the most respectable company, anyway. But but yeah, I yeah. Know what you're but if you're a wrestling yeah. journalist, it's not it's, if you're, you're not a
1: wrestling journalist. You care about it about it, it's the fact they're selling shares. Yeah. If you're a wrestling commentator, go ahead and make fun of them.
2: Mm-hmm. But a, if you're
1: a journalist, you care about facts and words and numbers. Mm-hmm.
2: It's a, it's a totally if, different uh, way of uh, sourcing funds.
1: Yeah, and, and they've raised $131,000 off 295 investors, one of which gave $50,000. So they really only raised about 270 bucks a person. But that's still an interesting set, interesting data point. It's still a, a, an important movement. Do I think era is a good investment? No. Do I think it's run by competent people? Probably not. Do I think that they've done a terrible job of branding themselves and explaining themselves? No. But I at least care enough to understand that. And explain that they're a funder and that they file SEC documents, mm-hmm. you know, and that it's going to be something we're able to track. And it's probably in some ways more relevant than some random, you know, 10th rate MMA show where you care about getting the names of the guys right.
2: Yes. Well, he may, maybe he's supplied with uh, something like a press release to, to make sure he doesn't get, he does get the names right something
1: so yeah it's arrow lucha's own fault for being not very good at branding themselves in this but it's dave's fault for not taking the time to actually do it right and it it shoots dave's argument that he's a journalist in the foot pretty bad when you don't get called out on the fact that you're making pretty bad typos Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and i mentioned this because you know what i got suspended from bleacher report for
2: once you got suspended from bleacher report
1: i got a serious content violation a standard where i was being reviewed and admonished strongly because I referred to Glenn Jacobs with one "n" versus two "ns."
2: Really? So, you, and and you were as as a like an article writer. Yes.
1: Really. Yes, because it, it, Glenn Jacobs has two "ns," and I wrote an article where he had one "n." Hmm. And I got like, and I also once got in trouble because I referred to, um, I basically referred to the fact that there was like all the the drama at the time around Alberto Del Rio leaving the company. Yeah. And like it was basically claimed that that wasn't proven,
2: so I couldn't make a reference to it. Yeah.
1: But yeah, it, it was. It, but is
2: that how journalism works? It's not just. Uh, you know. I'm just
1: saying ble- that's Bleacher Report journalism, yeah. which yeah. is like, in my opinion, the lowest level of journalism that you can go against. You know, that's a yes. You're linked from CNN. Yeah. You're. you're you know. It's the difference between the non-paid posts on Huffington Post and, and a journalism. Yeah. So it's just that sort of thing where I just think like details matter enough to actual journalists that they freak out on the fact that I, I spelled Glenn Jacobs with the wrong number of N's. And yeah. that's a real story. Yeah. And so to me, it's like it's not a GoFundMe. It's a refunder. It's not Ant-Man and the Warp. It's Ant-Man and the Wasp. And if you were to say, well, I don't care. That's not relevant to what I'm doing. Then I'd say, why is Skyscraper relevant to what we're
2: doing then? Is Either anybody you care enough
1: to get it right or you don't.
2: So is it Ant-Man and the, and the Warper Ant-Man and the Wasp. What is the actual name of, the, of this movie?
1: Which makes more sense to a-
2: you? Ant-Man and the Wasp. But so but Dave yes. did get it wrong. Yes. Yeah. So that's even Dwayne Johnson movies he's getting wrong. Titles. No,
1: no, it's not a Dave John. It's not a Dwayne Johnson movie.
2: What is it? It's just another movie that's the other movie that's, other movie right that's uh, in, in competition with it. I see. Okay. Yes. Is anybody um, in wrestling a, a a a journalist? Is he? Is 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 he? I don't. Or or is is anybody? Nobody wants to say yeah. that they are.
1: Well, I, at one time Dave maybe said him. something really weird where I just remember he's like, "Don't compare me and Wade. What we do is totally different." Uh, how. And, he, and he, it was some kind of argument, like I'm a journalist, Dave is, or Wade is a commentator, or Wade is a newsletter writer, or <laughs> something weird. It was something very bizarre, where it was just one of these things where he was trying to make the argument that he goes out and he searches, you know, like a journalist should, and Wade didn't. And it was it was a really weird snippy comment he made one time. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. He did report that Casey Collins left the WWE. Casey Collins was the former EVP of consumer products. Um, He was part of the board of directors of Tap Out, actually.
2: Uh Casey Collins did a presentation at the most recent Business Partner Summit, didn't he?
1: No, 2017.
2: 2017. Actually. They did not do one yeah. in 2018.
1: Yeah. John Brody, I think, took over his, his presentation this year. Ah. But uh, in 2017, he talked all about you know how they were doing gaming. He talked about toys and the action figures section. He yeah. talked about the fitness thing with the, the – uh, at the time, the pivot for tap out going to a men's brand to a women's and boys. And he talked about how they opened up tap out gyms in New York City. Which I should figure out if they ever made any money on that. Um, and he talked about all the retail stuff they were doing, like the Booty merchandise and the Toys R Us uh, promotional events. So, you know, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, uh, he, you know, he, he was a, a very accomplished guy. I was most surprised. You know where, where uh, Casey Collins got his start?
2: No, I don't. Tell me.
1: Uh, he was the director of worldwide licensing and motorsports at WCW. Oh, Really? He managed WCW's Worldwide Consumer Products Program. Wow. Cool. He also used to work yeah. at Lucasf- Lucasfilm and, and other things. So it, it was just really interesting to me. Um, do you know, know any just, other – He was a very accomplished guy actually. Do I you know... mean I'm not trying to make – like yeah. belittle or make fun do, of him.
2: Do you know but... of any, any, anybody else who like worked with WWE or WCW who – I mean like uh, in, in an executive role, somebody who ended up as, as an executive who like worked with WCW in, in something like an executive role?
1: There's not many, or and that's why I think role, I was so I shocked say. to see this. Is yeah. I was like, this didn't come from his WWE profile. This came from he happened to speak at some conference, and when I pulled his profile from that, it mentioned he used to work for WCW.
2: Hmm.
1: And I was blown away because I was just like, I can't think of that many people who used to work for WCW who now work for WWE. Yeah, I mean, uh, with, with Michelle Brez... Wilson famously worked for the XFL.
2: Yeah, Zane Bresloff left. worked for both, right?
1: Uh, I mean, Zane Bresloff. Was a local promoter uh, type guy, and, he, and now he's where? Isn't Zane still alive, or Zane
2: died? No, he he, he died in like the
1: early two okay. thousands. Yeah, but there's another promoter who uh, is now working with Ring of Honor who goes all the way back to Gary Juster. You know, is, I think yes, that's of. who I'm thinking of. Gary Juster, who who has worked for everybody under the sun for wrestling promotions.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, but no, for WWE executives, I'm sure there's got to be other people, but. I can't think of one of them. And so I just thought that was fast. I mean, obviously you have people like Arn Anderson and whatnot who, yeah. you know, have moved up in the company uh, over the years and held big roles. Uh, Johnny Ace, of course, famously was talent relations both at WCW and later at WWE. Yeah. Jim Ross, um, but no, there's not a lot of people that have that WCW corporate side of business and now work for WWE proper that I'm aware of. Yeah. So Um, I was very amused when I went on LinkedIn to look up Casey Collins. It said the two of us were linked by one person.
2: Um, Constantine Kairos. No, No. Mr. Dave Meltzer said we both
1: know Dave.
2: (laughs) Ah. Which
1: makes more sense than why Casey Collins' uh, profile does not mention that he's left WWE. But uh, somehow that made it into the Wrestling Observer.
2: Yeah. So,
1: again – uh wrestlenomics our gig is we talk about the business of wrestling understanding who the executives are and what their backgrounds are that's part of it in my mind so whether it's it's chris polity moving from uh, WWE to UFC or it's casey collins leaving WWE and going wherever he's going you know those are the people you want to follow in this industry because a lot of them know a lot about what what's made this business strong and good over the years time for us to do plugs Mm -hmm. Um, Let me give a plug to uh, Vox, V-O-X. They do this series on Netflix, The Explainer, every week where they they cover a different topic. Uh, This week they cover cricket. If you ever wanted to understand cricket, it doesn't necessarily help, but it talks at least about how it became popular. And uh, I think it's a really good thing to watch if you're a wrestling fan because there's so many comparisons to cricket that come up in India. And uh, it's really important to understand kind of the media landscape around cricket and this – this uh, show will help you understand it a little bit better.
2: Hmm. Um yeah. You and Brandon, Casey, your
1: pick of the week? You've been preparing all week to talk about?
2: Uh, I don't really have any any uh, plugs that are that are not associated with me other than we're gonna do uh, coverage Thursday, patreon.com slash Russell Nomics of so the wq Q two report.
1: You're um, going to wear your polo shirt of the patron saints of professional wrestling. If people want to buy the polo shirt, where do they go?
2: They can't buy the polo shirt, but what? if, if what? Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. If, if enough people demand, I will get the polo shirt in production. Maybe, we'll, maybe, we'll, maybe there'll be a GoFundMe. but for now, maybe, you,
1: maybe we'll do a we funder, the polo shirt corporation. They
2: can invest. They think maybe, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to have a meeting about this with the, the larger patron saint, uh, athletic commission committee. But, uh, well, does,
1: does pro wrestling tees do polo shirts?
2: It's a good question. Probably not. But uh, who knows? In, in the, the future, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have a lot more things than, than the present does. Because
1: uh, it sounds like you and I, when we go to Chicago, should take a take a business meeting with pro wrestling tees and explain to them the need for more polo shirts in wrestling. Yeah. And have the WrestleNomics polo and the uh, patron saints of professional wrestling right. polos.
2: That's right. If you want to appeal to a, a, a demographic with higher incomes and education levels, polo shirts. Polo shirts. I don't know
1: whether that's true, but I know that, that, that excellent men like you and I like polo shirts.
2: That's all that matters. I, I, I quit wearing polo shirts uh, to work a while ago, but that that's a larger story. But I do have a blue patron saint polo shirt. If more people want it, I will, uh, I will look into getting more. I do have regular t-shirts uh, uh, that have the patron saint logo on them. You can tweet me or dm me if you want one and i'll see if i have your size still uh you can follow my wrestling school grapplers anonymous at graps anonymous on every social media platform graps is a website you can follow me on twitter at brandon thurston um yeah we're gonna do coverage thursday check it out sounds good talk to everyone
1: later bye-bye
0: There is a new, shiny star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card.